All right, let's bring in Chad Pennington. I hope you and your family had a blessed Christmas. And uh, this is our final show of 2016, Chad. I've really enjoyed it, as always. But we'll come back next week for our year in review. First off, the Jets go to New England on Christmas Eve, and it was just a tough weekend all the way around. Todd Bowles fell ill on Friday. He was hospitalized, did not make the trip with the team uh, to Foxborough. But he came back on Saturday morning, coached through some pain. He had gallstones, gallbladder problems, um, you name it. But the guy was there, uh, the true making of a, uh, of a tough man, who played eight years in the National Football League. But Bryce Petty makes his start, his third consecutive start, because Todd Bowles uh, said uh, Petty was going to start the final four games for this team, barring injury. But unfortunately, Chad... For the second consecutive week, he left early, and this one ends his season as he tore the labrum in his left shoulder while he's trying to make a tackle on Malcolm Butler following a second-quarter turnover. Uh, how bad do you feel for a kid like Bryce right now, what he's enduring? Well, you certainly can't uh, evaluate much of his performance. Um, I think, uh, you know, for him, it's it, uh, certainly disappointing because um, – he had this game as well as the final game to continue to improve and show that he was making improvement. And so that has all gone down the drain. So that's a tough situation for him. Um, luckily, on the positive side, it's his left shoulder. So dealing with the right torn labrum or your throwing shoulder torn labrum is much different than dealing with your opposite shoulder. I can speak from experience on that. So it's a tough situation for him. It's also a tough situation for the Jets because um, they don't have a lot to go on. Um, and just from my own personal evaluation, watching the television copy, um, you know, it wasn't a lot of good football play across the board. Um, and, and watching Bryce, there were certainly some things that could have been done better. So it's, a, it's just a small snapshot, and I don't know how much evaluation you can do. You have to kind of rely upon your – training camp evaluation and your progress through the season through practices and things like that with a couple of shots and tidbits mixed in uh, throughout the season uh, with the games. So it's kind of a conundrum here as far as what to do with Bryce Petty. Yeah, it's a small snapshot, and, and you were talking about it each week, is that you like the grittiness and the intangibles he showed against San Francisco as the Jets came back from 11 point fourth quarter deficit but the following week against the Dolphins he responded early after saying he had nerves against the 49ers and he led the Jets down the field he culminated his opening possession with a 40-yard scoring pass to Robbie Anderson then the Jets were in scoring territory on that second drive and a strip sack from Cameron Wake Sue recovers and that was the start of like a downhill slide because the Jets really never regained momentum in that game and were knocked out by a 21-point flurry by the Dolphins in the third quarter, and they were out of it from the start against the Patriots. So all in all, like you were saying, what do you make of Petty's eight-and-a-half quarters of action approximately? Well, I think um, you see some nice intangibles, like you said, um, you saw the ability to, to lead your team back um, and, and be down late in the fourth quarter and lead your team back to a, a comeback victory. But then you also see inconsistency, inconsistency in 
accuracy, inconsistency in reads, um, and just overall play, which some of that is to be expected uh, from a young quarterback. Um, and unfortunately, because of uh, the in-and-out appearances by him where you didn't get to see four straight games of him taking every snap, then that then creates even more indecision on on your evaluation of, of what type of player he can be or what his performances were. Yeah, and you said it before the game. We were talking about a young quarterback making his fourth NFL start, going up to New England with an offensive line without four of its projected five starters at the beginning of 2016. You had uh, concern about this ball game going into it. Um, now, there's not much you can take from what happened with Petty out there because he didn't play too much, but he said he had problems with the slick ball at times. Were you surprised by that? Well, I don't know if it would be surprised. It's just you uh, you can't have problems with a slick ball. That's part of playing in the AFC East. You've got to learn how to play in weather, windy conditions, rainy conditions, snowy conditions, and sunny conditions. And um, it's not like Waco, Texas, and it's not like uh, playing in South Florida or in a dome. So that's part of being in the AFC East. You have to learn how to uh, minimize those distractions from the weather and, and be able to optimize your opportunities. That's just part of playing quarterback in that division. What does Petty have to do in the off season during these uh, his limited time as a starter? The last few weeks completed fifty eight percent of his passes for nearly five hundred yards with one touchdown and four interceptions. Chad, he was sacked eleven times over these past three games. Well, I think um, besides getting healthy, right. um, you have to then take the film uh, and really study it, and then you have to then start to study your own system and, and study all 16 games, even the ones you didn't play. And then I think as young players, and I wish I would have done more of this as a young player, and I think it's just part of the stubbornness of young players, I think you've got to reach out uh, to guys who have done it. And you've got to uh, kind of start doing some studies and talking to guys that, that have been there before and, and reach out to, to former quarterbacks and kind of start to develop a, a dialogue there to where you can start taking notes and, and just add as much information uh, to your toolbox as you can from outside sources as well as studying outside film and other quarterbacks to try to help increase that curve, that learning curve, as much as possible knowing you didn't get a chance to play all of your games that you were uh, you know, supposed to play. All right. This is taped on Tuesday before Todd Bowles goes to the podium here in Florham Park and likely tells the media who will his starting quarterback be as the Jets conclude the regular season against the Buffalo Bills at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. There are only two healthy players on this roster, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and second-round pick Christian Hackenberg. Hackenberg has not dressed so far this season. Uh, so let's just go through all the scenarios. If uh, Fitzpatrick starts, gets the nod for 11th time in 2016, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think that it makes much sense to start Christian Hackenberg. I think this is a humanistic decision here that you have to make, and um, you, you have a player that has been inactive all year, um, that is not even prepared to play 
in a game, hasn't even been suited up and been one play away, hasn't even been in that situation. So to put Christian Hackenberg in as a starter, to me, does not make sense. Um, I think, first of all, from a team perspective and an organizational perspective inside the building, it would be nice to, to end the season on a win. I think that is, um, yes, it's a feel-good thing. It doesn't matter to the outside, but it matters inside. And so I think starting Ryan Fitzpatrick um, gives you the best chance to win inside the building. I think it's important that these players rally around each other to try to get a win uh, the last uh, game of the season. I think that's important as part of being a professional. I think you're going to have a Buffalo team that's going to come in here uh, prepared and wanting to win and willing to win. Uh, but then besides that, I just don't think it makes uh, much sense to, to put a kid in that is completely not ready to play. And you haven't, you know, developed him uh, throughout the year to play. And so um, it, it's not like that this is a Madden video game and you can just throw in another player. These are human beings you're dealing with. Um, I don't think from the human perspective that you do that. Now, it will be a good opportunity for him to now prepare as the second quarterback, knowing that he is going to dress, knowing that he is really one play away. And so you may he may see some action anyway, but to start him against the Buffalo team is going to blitz, is going to throw different things at you. I think there's much more risk than reward there, no doubt about it. What changes when you dress if Hackenberg is indeed the backup against the Bills and he's not the starter? What changes uh, as far as he is concerned, and how do the Jets get him ready to play as opposed to him leading a scout team offense, him getting more reps this week? Do they have basically a Christian package that, hey, these are plays that this guy is comfortable with at this point of time? Yeah, you have to be conscious of that. First of all, he'll probably, in total amount of reps, get more reps than Ryan Fitzpatrick when you throw in the scout team reps that he'll get, as well as I would say, you know, if there's a 10-play period, I would say he would get four of those. Um, and Ryan gets six. So he's going to be prepared. And, and I think that, you know, for the most part, um, you know, you'll have obviously rely on the running game for him, um, the play-action quarterback movement game where the reads are simple, they're out of the pocket, and then you have a certain amount of drop-back passes. Uh, you also have the two-minute package. And so uh, there'll they'll be a, div- a decent amount. I think you'd have 70 to 75% what you'd normally do and he's got to be ready and he's got to be on point with those things and so this is a good situation for him to actually have a different experience going into a week to prepare to possibly play you've been on the practice field so you know what everything entails entails um the argument from the fan is going to be if fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback hey dak prescott is leading the Cowboys to 13 wins this year. He was a fourth-round pick. Uh, Christian Hackenberg was a second-round pick. He has been within your system for now 16 weeks of the regular season. Why would it potentially damage him uh, playing in in a starting role here? That's just a devil's advocate because you know where the fan base is at, is that... They want to see uh, a little bit of Hackenberg before the season ends. 
Well, first of all, you're comparing apples to oranges. Uh, let's don't act like that the Cowboys completely pe- uh, prepared and planned on that Prescott playing because they certainly did not. And they were forced into uh, Dak Prescott playing and had to make adjustments on the move. Dak Prescott also got a lot more preseason action than Christian Hackenberry. It's a completely, totally different situation. We shouldn't even be having this conversation, to be honest with you, but we will just for the sake of playing devil's advocate. But it it, it makes no sense that you can't compare those two. Secondly, uh, Dak Prescott and what he has to work with right now and where the Cowboys are and their team situation is completely different than Christian Hackenberg's situation and the Jets' situation. Uh, with as many people as the Jets have on IR and all the different uh, challenges that they're dealing with. So it's not even a – I don't even think it's a, a, a situation where we can have this conversation on an equal playing field because it's not. No doubt. Um, if you're a Hackenberg and you know, hey, you are dressing for the first time this week, how will things change uh, for you mentally as, as a young passer who's been the guy who a lot of people left alone this year? Obviously, he's getting coached up behind closed doors, but now he'll be in that media spotlight a little bit this week. I know the Jets have been eliminated from postseason um, uh, contention for a long time and obviously the Bills got eliminated last week with the tough loss themselves so on the surface a lot of people are not going to pay attention to this game nationally but just knowing that Hackenberg is going to be up this week and possibly could play now he's going to get the microphones and the cameras back on him again like he is playing a big game at Penn State Sure, and so I think it's a good situation for him. It's a nice learning experience for him. Um, his uh, weekly preparation will be different, not in the amount of film he may watch. It's just the feeling that he will have, knowing that he is actually putting on the pads, he's putting on the uniform. He is truly one play away from being in that huddle. That's completely different when you know you're going to be inactive, even though you are preparing um, it's like a red shirt here. Well, he's no longer being red shirted because he's going to be dressed and he could possibly be playing in the game. So just his emotions, um, his mental makeup and his mental approach is going to be tweaked this week because he has the possibility of being in the huddle. And I would expect uh, nothing less than a professional effort from Ryan Fitzpatrick no matter what happens. He was very supportive of Bryce Petty when Petty got the call. If Todd Bowles even elected to play Hackenberg at some point during this game, I think Fitzpatrick would be there right uh, for him. Uh, what are your expectations as far as on the field um, from him as he closes the season? A disappointing campaign for Fitz and the entire Jets team, but 31 touchdown passes last season. The team also set a record in terms of total yards and had every reason for high expectations going into uh, the 2016 campaign, but uh, it just never was there. We saw a glimpse of what we thought this offense could be in week two in Buffalo, ironically, Chad. Yeah, I think the most disappointing thing probably uh, with the Jets' offense is that I think their expectation, or at least not their expectation, but the expectations on the outside um, 
got to them a little bit, thinking that, you know, we need to duplicate or do even better than what we did last year. And quite frankly, it can never be that way. The expectation, expectations are things that are placed upon you from the outside that you can't control, whereas your standard of play and how you play up to your standard is what you can't control. And sometimes the standard does not even match the expectation because the expectations get unrealistic. And I just think that, you know, coming off such a great year statistically, you know, I think for Ryan and the Jets' offense, the expectation, uh, they tried to play up to the expectation instead of just playing each game one at a time and, and not worrying about that and really focused on their standard of play and trying to win ball games. And I think that's evident in the turnover category. You look at the turnovers, I mean, it's just too hard to overcome. Even when you have a defense that you think can be dominant when you put the defense in such situations because you turn the ball over so much. Now they can't play dominant defense as well because they're playing uh, in a completely different situation. They're not playing in an aggressive front. They're playing um, in a in a front in a mode where they're just trying to stop the bleeding, and that's completely a different mindset that you have as a defense. So I think that's most disappointing. So what you'd like to see – coming into this game against Buffalo is that the, the offense and defense just clean the slate, play good football, protect the football, and try to win a football game and get out of this season with a fifth win, I think, would be important. The defense had such high standards uh, uh, over the last few years, and I think guys have been taken aback by what's actually transpired on the field uh, throughout this year. The lack of takeaways has been glaring, but... What can you point to why this defense is taking a step back this year? Uh, Todd Bowles is unhappy with the play of all three of his units, and he's the first one to say that. Has it been a lack of edge rush or uh, the play of the secondary? Can you pinpoint why the Jets have uh, struggled so much defensively? Well, in the beginning of the year, it was the big play. It was the inability to keep the big play from happening, whether it be a miscommunication in coverage, uh, whether it just be a one-on-one 50-50 ball that was won by the opponent. Um, and so that was, that was to me, the biggest uh, thing that happened in the beginning of the year. Moving into the middle to the later part of the year, uh, you saw the lack of um, pressures on the quarterback, um, and the lack of being able to get to the quarterback and wreak havoc back there. But that also uh, goes into uh, the offense turning the ball over, putting the defense in bad situations. Um, it also goes into uh, coverage, being able to stick with your man and, and make sure you're working the coverages correctly and not having busts. There's all kinds of things. There's not one glaring weakness. I think that if there was one glaring thing, it was that the Jets did not play complimentary football, meaning that when the offense needed to step up and make a play for the defense, they did not. And when the defense needed to step up and make a play for the offense, the defense did not. And so there was never a time in any of these games or any point of the season where one side of the ball created a spark and the other side fed off of that spark and momentum. Um, and so that, that's probably, to me, what's been most disappointing because you have a, a lot of the same players, um, definitely have the same staff, and so in the same systems, and so uh, you know you just didn't have the same production. What do you make of the snowball effect that's been happening to this team uh, in three of the past four games? The Colts came in on Monday Night Football. They struck early with a couple punches, and the Jets were able, uh, never able 
to get back in the game. Excuse me. And a couple of weeks later, it's Saturday night. The Dolphins are in town. The Jets actually came out with a spirited early effort. You saw the passion. They were in the ball game, and then they were knocked out by a 21-point flurry. Then last week against the Patriots, you turn the ball over. Against anybody, you're not going to give yourself a chance. But against the Patriots, it's going to turn into a rout. So three of these past four games, the Jets haven't been in it. What is happening where they're taking those punches and they're not able to regain their footing? Because, Chad, a lot of people are questioning this team's effort right now. And I don't know, since we're not suiting up, (laughs) you have... I don't know if that's fair, because I think if you go watch the tape, and the football is a very violent sport, these guys, there's a lot of guys that are going out there. It's just they seem to be lacking a jump. And then do you think there is something to that snowball effect when things start going downhill? Like, oh, it, we, we, there's nothing for us to do at this point where we can stop it. Well, I think uh, what I've seen and what I think, I don't think it's it's, it's about effort. I think there's a, probably a different word here, and, and I think that when you look at effort, um, you know, effort can be deceiving. Um, sometimes guys can can give great effort, but you don't give the result, and you think it's the effort, but you didn't get the result. So I think that what happens to teams in these situations is teams go into survival mode. And, and what happens is is that they kind of play it close to the vest and make sure there's not any glaring mistakes. But yet when you play that way to make sure that you're not the one being highlighted to make a glaring mistake, you also aren't extending yourself to make a big play and to be able to, to do something spectacular and great um, because things are, are not going your way and you're in such a negative environment. And that's probably what has happened to this team is that because it's been so negative and there's been such a lack of positivity as well as production in the win column, you're seeing a team that, that plays hesitant, you're seeing a team that plays close to the vest, that plays in survival mode, instead of just playing free and loose and going out and trying to do everything you can. So a 50-50 ball with a team that has the momentum on their side, they win those, where a team that doesn't have the momentum, they do not. And so that's difficult to overcome it's difficult to work through um but somehow some way you've got to find a way to keep fighting and, and, and keep moving forward and, and just keep fighting is not the answer because you can it's like a boxer in the ring he can keep fighting but at the end of the day he's still going to lose you have to make a conscious choice to say okay regardless of what things look like or what they feel like i'm going to fight and scrap for everything i have to go get this ball or to make this play and, yes, that may put me out on a limb by myself, but I've got to do that because that's the way the game needs to be played, and that's the way I need to act as a professional. Well, it's New Year's Day. The Jets and the Bills at MetLife Stadium. Uh, finally, before we close the pod this week, your national semifinal selections. Alabama, the number one seed against the University of Washington, the number four seed. Who you got in that game? Yeah, I think Alabama's physicality will eventually take over. Uh, you know, the one thing that uh, Washington does have, they, they do have speed, they do have explosiveness uh, in, in the, on the offensive side. But uh, for four quarters of that, uh, unless Alabama completely uh, goes against how they've been playing and they completely turn the ball over, 
I think Alabama should come out on top on that one. I say Washington is very sneaky because I think there's always been an East Coast bias. Chris Peterson is a tremendous coach in his own right. I know Nick Saban is unbelievable. He's a legend. But uh, I don't think Peterson will be out coaching this game. And if they somehow can give Jake Browning a little bit of time to throw, I like their running backs. I like their skill position players on the outside. The key player to me was actually going to be on the other side of the ball. Can Washington negate Alabama's quarterback when he tucks that ball and runs? Because uh, the Huskies have one of the better secondaries in the nation. I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. Second game, uh, Clemson and Ohio State. Do you have a national championship rematch on tap, or do you think Urban Meyer is going to have something special in store, and will they take down Deshaun Watson and the Tigers? I think this game is a complete toss-up. I don't think the experts can truly say, okay, here's who has the edge. I mean, to me, they they mirror each other in a lot of ways. Uh, You've got two quarterbacks that play similar have similar experiences, uh, both explosive with their arms and their legs. Um, you have two systems that are similar in how they do things. Um, I mean, for me to sit here and say one or the other because of this or that, I, I would be lying to you. I think this is a complete toss-up um, in every category, and it may just come down to a freak play here or there or one play here or there that, that really, um, you know, determines the game uh it could be one of those games it could be a 45 to 44 game um or it could be an ugly game i really don't know eric i mean i think this is one that is is you want to watch it because you just don't know what's going to happen uh between these two teams i truly think uh there's going to be some good football played on saturday i think both these games uh really had the potential to be something special Uh, and uh like i said with Peterson, and then you just talked about a close matchup uh, with Ohio State and Clemson. Uh, so uh, anything happens out there on Saturday, I will not be surprised at all. Chad, happy New Year's to you and, of course, your family as well. Many blessings, and uh, we'll talk next year as we review the 2016 season. Okay, Eric. Thank you. Happy New Year.